And it's time for peer pressure. My guest today is someone who needs no introduction, Dave Smalley. I won't give him one. We'll just go right into the segment. Thanks to Lita Martinez for editing the podcast and to Liz Berg for handling all those podcast duties. Dave Smalley on Peer Pressure here on WFMU. Stay tuned. Thank you for being on the show, Dave. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. It's great. My guest, Dave Smalley. we got to go down the list. Every time I say your name, I have to say DYS, Down by Law, All, Dag Nasty, and the uh, Farmhouse Five. The Farmhouse Five, yeah, yeah. that's uh, the latest and um, hopefully among the greatest. Yes. Um, you have your own standard, cool and, and uh, great is, uh, is understood. Uh, it's, it's just my own twisted definitions, that's all. It's always funny, somebody will ask, I'll ask my kids, you know, oh, what does it feel like to have your dad be so famous? First, after they're rolling their eyes, is done. Then they, they just say, he's really not that famous unless you're into punk rock. Like, <laughs> he goes to the store and does everything else and gets treated like crap by the cashier, just like everybody. So... <laughs> At home, are you extremely vocal at home? Are your vocal performances on record a surprise to your children? Yeah, they they're surprised because I would never yell at my you know my kids. You know, it's just not not in my my DNA. I save all the yelling for the studio and the stage. You know. Oh, that's good. Get out, get out all the angst. Mm-hmm. That's probably perfect. Yeah. So can you catch us up, let the listeners know sort of where you're at now and what's going on for you musically at the moment, Dave? I am uh, just got back from a two-month-long Down by Law tour, which was really fun but really exhausting. That was the most touring in a row one tour that I've done in a long time. It was pretty great as far as the actual playing aspects of it, but the, the amount of touring, the amount of shows, because there were, you know, like one day off a week, if that. It was pretty tiring. You know, like I say, when you're on tour, you do it for the one and a half hours that you're playing every night. You sure. know, that's why you do a tour. You know, at least for me, I know there's other people who like to do all the partying and all that stuff, but that's not really my big thing. So for me, it's just playing and meeting people beforehand, talking with people, um, getting to hear some new stories about, you know, life and writing your own new stories as you go on crazy adventures of a tour. But, you know, it's that one hour, one and a half hour period that, that is the reason why you do it. So it was good, but it was tiring. And now I'm back from that. Let's see, I guess the next thing, we just got back from uh, some DYS shows as well. DYS played with Sick of It All and Mad Ball, and um, that was one of the shows. And then the other show was Sick of It All, Mad Ball, Agnostic Front, and H2O. Hmm. And that was a great, great lineup. I was like yeah. my dream lineup, and I was getting to be you know, part of it. So it was really, really great to That's see a lot of old friends like Roger from you know, AF and Lou from Sick of It All and... Well, everybody, and I like all those bands as people and as as uh, bands. So it was it was a great experience for that. And then DYS has a couple of shows in November in Hollywood um, and in Orange County, California, to coincide with the release of the Boston hardcore movie out there on the West Coast. Oh, right, yes. Of that, so we're going to play a couple of shows there with Antidote and some other bands. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited about it. What's the thing that you do first when you get home from a tour now? And what did you do first when you got home from a tour when you were a youngster, let's say? It was definitely a little easier when I was a youngster. But I'll tell you what, you know, I was kind of proud of of Down by Law, all of us. You know, we've got guys in the band that range from, you know, sort of mid-20s or mid to actually late 20s to my age, which is late 40s. And 
you've got a wide range of it. Everybody held up and everybody, you know, did well because it's grueling to tour that long even, you know, when you're 25. It's a tough thing to be on the road for hours and hours and hours and, you know, sleeping in a strange bed every night and being exhausted at the end of the show every night. It's, it's not whining or complaining to say that because it's a real blessing to be able to do it. But, no, that's, uh, that's just the realism of what goes on on tour. Yeah, and I think sometimes people hear, oh, you know, these guys are whining about being able to be, you know, make music and everything, and it's not that. It's just, I think that when you see a band, it's probably good to appreciate, especially like a punk band, you know, not like, you know, the U2s or whatever of the world, but the street-level punks that we are, that we represent, and, and so many of the friends and, and bands that we love represent. It's not all peaches and cream, but it's great. I wouldn't trade it, but it's... So long story is, that's a long answer to your simple question. Sorry about that. I would say when I would get back younger, I would be ready to go out again. Right now, I'm thinking, man, I, I don't want to go out again for a long time, mm. um, at least on a full deal. Just do some weekend shows and um, see my family and, um, you know, pet my dogs and <laughs> write a new song. Kind of kind of live a, a boring, straight existence for a little bit. It sounds pretty, pretty appetizing to me. Um, which bands are you writing new songs with? Well, that's... That's a great question. I'm writing songs uh, almost all the time on and off with Sam Williams from DBL. Also with the DYS guys, we're working on some really great stuff that I'm really excited about. I don't know if you know, but Franz Stahl from Scream Mm -hmm. and Foo Fighters is is in DYS now. So, you know, you've got John Anastas, who is in uh, Slapshot and obviously DYS, and and me and Franz. Alpa Hanish from Power Man 5000 is playing drums young guy named Adam is playing lead guitar and the, the lineup is just really congealed in a way that is really exciting musically so, um, so I'm really excited about some of the new stuff that DYS is doing. Was that the lineup for the Super Bowl of Hardcore? Yes. Yes, yes okay. it is. Awesome. Yeah, everybody was, was was there for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a um, great show. Which, which I thought we had a you know, pretty potent show and, and um, felt really good. And I was really, I was another one where I was like looking at that lineup and I was thinking, man, I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I get to see all these bands and play on stage with them. And, you know, there was a great lineup of bands and great people who put it on. You know, I was really, really happy to, to be there with those guys. We have a question from a guest who wants to know if you still have that Doug Flutie football shirt. <laughs> I honestly don't know if I have the Doug Flutie shirt, but I, I can say that I still love the Eagles, BC Eagles, and, and Doug Flutie was... Uh, so uh, I, I don't think I have, I don't know if I have anything specifically from Doug Flutie, but I did get to meet him, and he commented on my spiky hair, and we talked for a couple of minutes about how I got my hair to be sticking straight up. And he was really genuinely interested. He was like, how do you get your hair to do that? And so I was telling him, and, you know. <laughs> and, and, you know, the first Flutie. time when he looked over at me, I'm like, okay, here's Doug Flutie looking at me. He's the god of the school and, you know, the entire state of Massachusetts. And then... Here he's looking at me, you know, this is not going to end well, you know. Yeah. And, um, and and I was just predicting, you know, five football guys are going to show up and just thrash me or something. Okay. No, he was totally cool, totally nice, very interested and respectful. And um, so he, he ended up uh, you know, proving himself to be a really nice guy. Oh, that's cool. That, that's good to know. Yeah. So where you are now, would you have been able to, have, to, to foresee having such a long music career? No, not really, or or at least not in the punk world. You know, I I kind of came up um, singing in church choirs and in musicals and stuff like that. Oh, really? So 
Yeah, first music that I did was in a church choir, and then um, I had a fifth and sixth grade teacher who actually dedicated a Down by Law album to named Mrs. Zolby, who really saw that she she saw that I enjoyed singing, and and so she really encouraged me, and we did classroom musicals, and she would really push me to you know, stretch my wings. I sang in musicals all through junior high school and high school, and so if if anything, I would have thought that that would have been a direction I might go because I liked doing all of that stuff. I liked acting, even though I wasn't a very good actor, but I liked it and um, singing and stuff. So so if I think if you'd asked me back then, will you be in the arts at all? I would have said, yeah, I might become a, an actor or a Broadway type. But then DYS ruined me. So um, <laughs> Yeah, and if you ask any of the guys, I think in 1981 or two in DYS, do you think you'll be playing shows in 2012 and people will still be, be supportive of, of what you've done. You know, we would have thought that was crazy. And be in a valid band. Yeah, yeah, that's you true. Yeah, we off. just thought we were, although we were just, four, you know, four or five, depending on the lineup, we were four or five kids, didn't really know what we were doing. That was part of the joy of it, and I think that translates into some of the joy of, of what those early bands across the American hardcore scene had. You know, there was a certain innocence. Like, if you listen to the first adolescence record, or mm. if you listen to... I don't know, Wasted Youth, or you listen to Minor Threat, or Teen Idols, or Government Issue, the early stuff by any of those groups, you know, and you can go on down the line of, of so many hundreds of great, great groups. The joy of it was, in part, the joy was the innocence, and the fact that there was no career goal, there was no intention to do anything but light the firecracker in the mind of America and try and run away in time so you didn't kill yourself, you know? <laughs> and you really did, I mean, lyrically. Uh, when people think about the hardcore era, your lyrics really do come to mind as, as being bold and being speaking for, you know, a generation and now more than one generation. What else matters for you now? Have, has your subject matter shifted as you've grown? Oh, yeah, I think so. I think so, definitely. I think it'd be weird if it hadn't, you know? You know, and people sometimes are mean to those who don't stay the same. But then the problem is the bands that do stay the same and don't evolve at all, they also get grief for not having changed and not having evolved, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's sort of a no-win situation for the artist, I think, you know, like the Ramones got grief when they did end of the century because it was a right. departure mm -hmm. and it had Phil Spector production on it and how dare they, right? You know, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, um, it's sort of an interesting thing. So I, yeah, I think as you grow, you, you, at least for me, you know, you definitely have to change and not change like reverse, but I mean, evolve and, and, and see things through different eyes, things that affect you when you're 40 that didn't affect you when you're 20, you know, paying bills. I think if you listen to a song like Twisted Again from, Nasty on, on um, Minority of One, and that song is all about dealing with the realities of life, bills and, and relationships that are difficult and stuff that when you're at a younger age don't really matter so much. That's one example where I would say, yeah, you know, I, def I, I think I feel more aligned with the real problems of the working world now, you know, um, than I might have when before I was trying to change the entire world, and now I'm just trying to say, hey, let's treat each other well and remember that we're all one human family while we're trying to make things better. Hmm. If you had, let's say, like $100,000 to give away, what cause or what would you do with it? Oh, man, that's a great question. I think I would probably give some to, there's a particular animal rescue organization that I, that I love. They're called Ricky's Refuge in Orange, Virginia. 
and they are a no-kill animal shelter, and they're really great people, um, absolutely volunteers, and they they have everything from emus to pot-bellied pigs to dogs and emus. cats, and um, and and they just are such wonderful, loving people to these animals, um, and you know these animals live a healthy, happy life. So I think I would give them some some money. I'd probably give some to arts programs, both both you know artists like painters and sculptors and whatnot, and also to the theater arts. If there was an organization that would be able to particularly funnel those to high schools, I think, because that's such a critical time for young people to who are finding their strengths and their joys and their talents. And um, as budgets have gotten tighter and tighter, a lot of theater arts programs um, have had to cut back. So I would probably give a big chunk to that. And maybe uh, another thing that Jonathan and I have talked about from, from DYS, Jonathan and I have talked about trying to help out punk rock community people who are in trouble in different ways, either dependencies or um, have been through illnesses and don't have medical coverage. Now, I've already spent way more than 100000 with all this talk, but, you know, that, that'd be those are some organizations that I would like to, to help. Oh, well, that's cool. That I'd like to help. I just wanted to see where you're at and what matters to you. Aside, I mean, we're assuming that your family matters a lot. And Yeah, you know. yeah. But if I had 100000 to give away, I'd be really delighted to be able to do that. That would be great. One of our listeners wants to know if you have a day job. I do. Yep. I'm, um, I have a day job. I, I uh, go to work every morning and stay late every night when I'm not on tour. And yeah, I'm, I'm a working man. I'm a writer and I, I write and edit for, uh, for a couple of different places. So I'm no different. And I get up in the morning and do the slog to work when mm-hmm. I'm not on the road. You're just uh, not writing lyrics, but you are, you are getting paid to write. Correct. Yeah. A lot of it is editing, too, um, like editing articles and things like that. It's a lot of fun. I really love my coworkers, and we have a great, great time together, and they're really respectful and and supportive of the things that I do, and I'm I'm very lucky to have a bunch of good people that I be with all the time. You are lucky. You are here as a a guest DJ, so I want to ask you about your first cut, why you're playing it. Okay, now I'm not sure of the order of what oh, okay. I sent you, so I can't remember what is our first cut. Okay, it's ACDC, Jailbreak. Oh, there you go. So, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I tried to pick songs that, that I wouldn't be here without, and, mm. and at least groups that I wouldn't be here without. I mean, I think for me, you could pick literally almost any ACDC song from the first five records, and, and I could tell you where I was when I first heard it and, and what it meant to me, and and all of that. I think ACDC is is a group that defines, to me, almost everything that is good about rock and roll. You know, it's tough. It's It's got amazing uh, catchiness. It drives you. Like, if you're feeling down, there's no way you can feel down and put in an ACDC, you know, CD or on your iPod or whatever and not, like, perk back up, you know? Mm-hmm. It's one of those groups that just makes the world a better place through rock. And and to me, I definitely would not be who I am and where I am without ACDC. They're one of the best groups in the history of rock and roll, if not the best. And, and I'll tell you, one of my fondest memories is in DYS, working out and lifting weights and cranking up, you know, Metallica and ACDC and um, Motorhead and Venom and, and just uh, and Discharge and you know, GBH for the punk side and some early Black Flag, you know. But, but ACDC, you know, that was the one. That's the, for me, that's the catalyst. That's the without which everything else falls. I just, uh, and Jailbreak is one I love because it's not a typical one that you hear on the radio all the time. You know, you can hear Back in Black or For Those About to Rock and 
number of other songs, and they're great songs. But Jailbreak, I love that it has a story, a narrative, and the riff is just killer. You know, um, Angus Young is all about the two young brothers and you know, Bon Scott and Phil Rudd, and it's a great band, you know, from start to finish. And they make the world a better place. Yes, they do. ACDC. All right, then. So my special guest here is Dave Smalley, and he is uh, picking the tunes for the day. We are starting off with some ACDC. Please stay tuned. He said, I ain't spending my life here. I ain't living alone. Ain't breaking no rocks from the chain gang. I'm breaking out and heading home. Gonna make a change.
And we have returned. My guest is Dave Smalley. Are you there? Yes, I am. Indeed. So, thanks for the Metallica. Anytime. I'll play Metallica all day long if you give me a chance. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great group. You know, I I remember uh, they came to Boston um, in the early days, you know, when the Boston crew was uh, in full gear. And, you know, we all, you know, all 20 of us or whatever, you know, we all really loved them. And um, I would have to say that I'd put my first time seeing Metallica first couple times as as probably you know among the top you know concerts i ever saw and just like epic mind-blowing life-changing inspiring you know fill in the blank um mm. so it was just an incredible group and you know that was still when uh bell bottoms burton was in was alive and bell bottoms Bur- i don't think i've ever heard the term bell bottoms burton before yeah that was a nickname that was given to him um cliff burton and um you know he was he was an amazing bassist and and you know player and music and and on stage you know and uh, just an incredible um incredible player and incredible band at that point for sure oh really yeah unbelievable yeah and i just have to ask you is there music on in in where you were at by any chance is there music on where i am right now yeah no okay no i'm hearing something in my headphones and and that, you know whatever it's okay. it, it's radio and we're on the phone and it's and it's and it's all good um yeah yeah yeah. That, so, so then I have to ask you, because I know for myself, being in the New York area when the first Metallica record came out, I mean, I, you know, I was all into, you know, punk and whatever, and there was quite a bit of resistance um, in at least my group of friends that, uh, in terms of uh, uh, Metallica. You know, any kind of metal. It was like, no, no, that's you know, like, no, we won't, won't, can't listen to that. And and uh, where was there sort of like the the division there, or were all the all the punks appreciating Metallica as much as you do? Well, I don't know if all of them were. I actually, I think that's a really good point, a good question. I, I think that that really the interesting thing to me is is that the Boston crew more than any others. I mean, maybe COC you know, um, was the other exception, but Boston Crew in particular was always heavily rooted in, in rock and our, in our, you know, love of bands like ACDC and Metallica and, and, um, you know, and so there, I, I don't want to know, I don't know if the Boston Crew was ahead of the curve or whatever the word is, but certainly we were, that was part of our world right from the get-go, mm. you know, um, I mean, Alice Cooper, you know, when I was a kid, Kiss, you know, so I always loved great rock bands and always appreciated great, um, great guitar players like Randy Rhodes, you know, for Ozzy Osbourne and, and um, you know, stuff like that and, and um, Iron Maiden and all that, all that stuff was just, to me, the the whole essence to me of, of hardcore and punk was that you had music that was, it was in and of itself brutal and challenging, which is what we were all trying to do. So, you know, it was, you know, yeah, you can say that, okay, Iron Maiden didn't, uh, you know, they weren't talking about, like, discharge, hear nothing, see nothing, say nothing in quite as a blunt terms, mm-hmm. but there's plenty of songs by Iron Maiden, like Two Minutes to Midnight, for instance, that talks about nuclear, you know, Armageddon and stuff like that, which was a huge concern for people in that era, you know, like, oh yeah, people, people who are young now probably don't have it as much, but, like, you know, during the whole end of the Cold War, Reagan, Gorbachev, and Thatcher, and all that stuff, you know, that was a, you know, these were, these were, you know, these were big, huge issues um, going on, and 
and like weapons being sent to Germany, um, you know, American Pershing nuclear missiles to help the NATO forces against the Warsaw Pact. I mean, this was all stuff that was like real, you know? And yeah. so, so to us, I think, you know, for me as a lyricist, some of that stuff that a lot of metal bands talked about, like death and destruction, yeah, that resonated right in there with what I was trying to talk about, which is, hey, you know, we got a, we got a very limited window to make this place better. Let's, let's give it a shot, you know? Mm. And so I always loved a lot of those bands just as much as I did any of the, the sort of more punk stuff that I also loved. Yeah, I think that there was a uh, there were certain factions of the New York scene that pretended that that they never liked the the hard rock or the metal, which and maybe they didn't, but um, there was definitely a little bit more of like sell your records and and that that kind of mentality down here. Yeah, I think you know I, I try and not generalize by people or by bands or by class or by genre. You know, I just mm -hmm. always like to hear people and hear things as they are and say this moves me. Mm -hmm. This doesn't move me, you know, um, and, and all those groups that we've just been talking about, they really moved me, you know, and um, so I, I'm, I'm very glad. You know, people forget sometimes it's called punk rock, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's not just called punk, you know, it's called punk rock. And if you listen to the Sex Pistols first record, right, or The Clash, you know, Mick Jones of The Clash was, you know, he was a rock and roll guy. And, and so was obviously Steve Jones from the Sex Pistols. And, you know, that first Sex Pistols record is a great rock record yeah you know? absolutely so yeah i, I always uh, you know rock is part of the equation for me and uh and then dys covered a motorhead song that was a single wasn't it yes yep uh we were doing a st uh, stream of or a string of um of, of online uh singles digital singles and um that was one that we just uh, heard and um yeah i mean motorhead is is another group that really you know, kind of cross that boundary, I think, between punk and metal and rock and, you know, and uh, maybe Motorhead is above all of the rest, the one that's the crossover band. Like, you you can easily go to any punk show, any hardcore show, and see a Motorhead shirt. Yeah, you know? true. Um, so, you know, that, that band, um, you know, another one of those bands that influenced DYS quite a bit. And, um, you know, and I got to meet Lemmy at one point in my career when, when Down by Law played a festival. Ooh, how was uh, that? With, with them how was so, did you did you get to talk to lemmy much i did not much i wouldn't say much i got to meet him i was you know like a like a scared little kid when i was meeting him because he was like you know is and was one of my heroes you know so so i was totally nervous but he was great and he said i said hey lemmy how you doing my name's dave you know we're in down by law we're, we're playing with you guys today and he said, oh, no, I said, I said, I'm in a band that's playing with you guys today. And he said, what's the name of your band? <laughs> and I said, I said, it's called Down by Law. And he looked at me and thought about it for a second. He said, good fucking name. <laughs> I was like, oh, whoops, I don't know if I'm supposed to swear on the air. Whoops. But anyway, that's a quote from Lemmy for, for in my life that will stay, you know, in my brain for the rest of my life. So, Well, at least great. He, uh, he's somebody that I would be scared of also. Uh, yeah, but, you know, I, I don't know him at all, you know, well enough to say I heard, he, but I have heard he's a really cool guy, and, you know, but again, he's like, he's the epitome of rock and roll, mm -hmm. you know. Oh, yeah, he is. Actually, yeah, I do, I do, you know, I interviewed him a million years ago when I was in between radio stations before I was here in probably 1983 or something, but, uh, yeah, I can tell you about that off mic. <laughs> that yeah, that's 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 really cool. Yeah. yeah, he's he's a legend and deservedly so. Yeah, so, yeah. And uh, and so you guys decided to cover Motorhead. That's uh, that's nice to be able to pay homage. 
Yeah, it is. It's a really nice, I think, to be able to, to, to pay, pay homage, you know, but it's also like I think the key of a good cover is to try and, you know, do it either slightly differently, like, for instance, what uh, Down by Law did with um, with its cover of 500 Miles by the Proclaimers. You know, we really changed that song a lot, and, mm. um, and but still made it. Our, we, so we made it our own. So that's one one way that I would say is a good way to do a cover. And the other way is just to do it true as can possibly be in spirit to the group that you're that you're covering, and and to not do it badly, but to do it really well and and you know pedal to the metal. And and I think that's what the DYS approach was to um to covering that Motorhead song. And we've had a lot of Motorhead fans, you know, diehard fans say, you know, that's like favorite motorhead covers that i've ever heard you know so that meant a lot to you yeah and i don't know about changing i mean i can understand really reworking a song completely and i don't know if that would work with most motorhead songs yeah i think you're right good point i think it wouldn't work you know um although it would be funny i i heard a guy one time on tour in a, I, I forget what city it was in i think it may have been in seattle and and he was just a, uh playing an acoustic guitar and he was um in a uh, in a sort of a restaurant um, club type place and he was playing um, all heavy metal songs on acoustic guitar but you know very different from how they sounded you know he's playing everything from Black Sabbath to you know probably Motorhead and to everybody else and I remember thinking you know I wouldn't have thought that that would have worked and he actually this guy uh, you know I don't know what his name was but he he did a great job of making it work oh neat well it can be done it can if you do it well but I agree Motorhead is one of those groups that probably you best just you know it's it's pedal to the metal or not at all yeah. um we have a question from a listener um they want to know what are your experiences with punk violence in the old boston scene oh well um yeah there was there was definitely some punk violence you know i'm not gonna deny it there was um there were there were fights and you know it wasn't just in boston either right like there was you know famous pictures of the police you know, cracking skulls in L.A. at L.A. riots and punk shows, and there were um, there were you know certainly you know fights in D.C. Um, you know, and and I think a lot of times the fights started um, in those early days because um, well you got a you got a heavy potent mixture, so you've got loud, aggressive, brutal music that's driving people to hurl themselves into each other at, at <laughs> full speed with elbows and boots flying and. And then you've got, um, particularly in those early days, a lot of um, a lot of the, the people who were like visiting didn't quite get it. So like jocks would come to mm-hmm. the shows because they heard you know about this thing called slam dancing, you know, or whatever. And so the jocks would like you know start half the fights. I'm not saying we didn't start any either, but you know the the you know they would just be like, what what'd you do, you know, and like you know, and boom, and then boom, and you know, and away we go you know the, the bouncers you know at most of the clubs in those days were you know basically just extra large jocks and um you know um so so to this day you know i i actually have a lot of good friends that are bouncers but to this day those memories of the early days you know of bouncers you know really you know i got you know i've got scars on my head from bouncers uh, the rat in boston and um, you know they just you know just you know you got in fights it was just part of the deal you know um you know, when we walked from practice, we practiced right near, um, DYS practiced right near um, Fenway Park. In ah. And so, you know, if we were Talk about practicing jocks. and getting out near when <laughs> when a baseball game got out, and you had, you know, thousands of drunk people, 
drinking stadium beer, you know, um, <laughs> and getting out and seeing like five or ten of us, you know, with leather jackets and shaved heads or spiky hair or combat boots or whatever, you know, it it was a recipe for for trouble, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah, uh, there there were there were plenty of uh, plenty of times when when the fists were flying back then. Yeah, it's true. Well, I'm I'm glad that uh, you've gotten through it. And, yeah, uh, you know, I know, but I'll be honest with you. There's a certain joy to it too, you know, especially at that point in life. You know, you're full of energy and and you feel like you're bulletproof, and you got you know some friends around you, and you know. So there's there's a, I I always say like I never condemn gangs of this. And I never condemn a person who joined a gang because I was kind of part of one. You know, I mean, we weren't you know dealing drugs and stuff like you hear about gangs doing now, but you know the whole idea of solidarity, of brotherhood, of of having a family around you that will protect you and work with you and that you can help them. And, you know, there's a powerful allure to that. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and, and so it's uh, it was definitely part of the equation back then for, and I think most punks, you know, if you wandered around on the streets of any American city in 1982, 83, looking like most of us did, you know, um, there was a good chance that some moron was going to say something or do something and you either had to run fast or, you know, or... or protect yourself so well yeah i mean punk sort of sprung out of not belonging and then we all belong to something else right right exactly but unfortunately tolerance and acceptance didn't uh, stretch no. as far as you know we would have liked no it didn't know. yeah yeah so but i think it's gotten a lot better and i'm glad you know i'm glad that we had to literally sometimes fight our way you know you know through the street sometimes because or through a show because you know they're now we've you know that 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 isn't necessary for a lot of kids anymore. I mean, it's like you have, you know, major artists who are considered punk and by the mainstream people in the world, and they're so you see a person with a blue mohawk or whatever, and it's like, okay, there's a guy who looks punk. And, it's and totally cool. Nobody wants to pick a fight with them. And the definition of punk, in a lot of ways, I don't even use the term anymore because it gets misconstrued because there's so much punk acceptedness in the mainstream yes yes there is yeah and you know what does punk mean and that's the joy of punk to me too and the punk joy of hardcore and punk is is that it really ultimately should be whatever you want it to be i mean if you start accepting a given definition for it from others then you've sort of surrendered the whole point of it to me like people would say punk started in 1976 or 77 with the ramones and the sex pistols and and i would say that is probably true as far as music goes but i would say that the attitude of metallica who we just listened to was punk and the attitude of pete townsend and the who in the early 60s and mid to late 60s and 70s was also punk you know so to me it's an attitude it's doing your own thing it's it's saying you know f you to the to the to the world if they're not doing the right thing and and, and then ultimately trying to make the world a little better i wanted to ask you what's the um the most active or most effective website for you the most uh, active website is that what you're asking? Yeah, somewhere where the listeners can can check. Oh out, yeah, check well, there's on. the Facebook pages for all the bands is like the DYS Facebook page and the Down by Law Facebook page, and then I have a Facebook page as well. Um, I actually have two. I have one with my name, you know, Dave Smalley, um, and then I have one uh, which is called Punk Rock Days, D A Y S, um, and that's actually going to be the name of my solo album that I have coming out. Um, supposedly this month. Um, wow. And um, so I'm really excited about that. 
and that'll that's so that's on there too. And then there's I guess there's individual websites for all for all the bands too. But it seems like everybody uses Facebook these days. Yeah, uh, quite often you go to check a website and it's gone, and there's just a Facebook page. Right, and, right, uh, which is you know cool and whatever easy. I think. But I know that Down by Lost still has a page. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, and I think there's a page for Farmhouse Five. I'm not sure. There is. And Dagnasty has a website as well, a very active um, website. And um, um, There actually is a uh, website that's Dave Smalley and the Farmhouse 5 straight through. Oh, okay, so cool. There I, you go. I'd like you, know, to you know more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd like to ask you about that, but I think I want to get to another set of music. All right. Um, so the first song that we have um, leading off is The Who. And uh, you did just uh, allude to Pete Townsend being a punk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, there's a there's a song on Quadrophenia called "The Punk Meets the Godfather." You know, oh, so right. that's back in whatever year that album came out. So, you know, I think that um, I think that to me, again, you know, if you accept the idea that punk rock is is really a fierce independence and 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 dedication, and, and often I would equate that too with some hard edge stuff. You know, like and hard edge can take the form of music or lifestyle or or you know you know. Um, breaking a mold in some sense, too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to me, Pete Townsend was all of those things, and it was just amazingly beautiful songs that he would write, and um, from the very beginning of The Who, you know, through to the very end, well, they're still going, actually, with he and, he and Roger Daltrey, but there's this, this, this beauty to what they do mixed with this angst, you know, it's this unbelievable combination that I don't think anybody ever got, you know, whenever anybody would say, who do you like better, the Beatles or the Stones? My answer would always be the Who, and and to me they are the most important group uh, of the early rock, of the early big, huge, great rock bands. That they took lyrics to a much more intros- introspective, personal level. They they played in ways that very few other bands were able to play, mixing, like I say, the power with the with the personal angst, you know. And um, so I really, uh, I, I really think that the Who is probably you know, one of the defining rock groups of all time. Wow. And, uh, well, that's a perfect intro. So my guest is Dave Smalley, and uh, you can go to punk, <coughs> excuse me, punkrockdays.com to check out what he's got going on. And uh, the next song in his playlist is The Who. This is The Real Me. We are WFMU. Please stay tuned. <laughs> It's now and never, but you keep some hanging. 
And I have returned. Dave, are you here with me? I am. My special guest is Dave Smalley, and he is uh, engineering the playlist. So how about that last one? Elvis Costello, The Jam, The Who. We talked about The Who a little bit. What about the other two? Well, um, you know, just as far as, uh, well, kind of both of those groups are on the more melodic side, um, you know, and some would call them pop groups in a way, you know, um, they both had a lot of commercial success, um, deservedly so, and, you know, um, I mean, we're talking about Elvis Costello you know, and Paul Weller from The Jam, you're talking about two of the all-time greatest lyricists, um, among other things, you know, and one of the things I loved about both of those groups and you know, why would, why I would include them as part of my, you know, background is that they really weren't afraid to talk about things in a kind of a bleak way. You know, um, I think there was a lot of, you know, stuff that was on the radio at the time that those groups were coming up and, you know, air supply or, you know, whatever, and, huh. and ABBA and, you know, and stuff, and Tesco's going to kill me for dissing ABBA. I'm not really dissing them per se. I'm just suggesting that lyrically there was a lot of happiness out there um and and that's great too you know you don't always be depressed but you know some of the lyrics by both of those two cats by paul weller and, and elvis costello were were really pretty dark and and wry and bittersweet you know um and and showing the world that not only they lived in an immediate sense but that we all live in and relationships that that are just tinged with sorrow and and angst and and um, and and sort of the the world being kind of not always that that fun of a place, and um, that's a reality. And so, you know, they had a huge influence on me lyrically, and realizing that you know you can talk about things in an honest way, and you can look at things and be honest about it. You know, um, and 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 that's part of what punk rock is is honesty. And so, you know, um, again, I think both of those guys really had a huge influence on me. Mm. Both lyrically and musically, but particularly lyrically. Mm. And then a lot of times, though, they're very poppy or very up in the music, and and you listen, and then you're sort of like, wait, what, what, what are they saying? Right, right. I mean, like watching the detectives, or <laughs> um, you know, um, you know, in the city by the jam, or or you know, you go further on into the jams, um, into the jams. Uh, lyrics or their career of, um, I guess, uh, Bruce Foxton wrote Smithers Jones, which is about somebody being laid off from work or that he's worked forever and, you know, gets a basically a pat on the head as they shove him out the door. And, you know, and, and so these are kinds of things where, you know, um, if you sing along and they're catchy as, as anything, and then all of a sudden you realize that you're singing something that's, that's fairly, um, fairly serious. Yeah. 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 Perfect examples. And, uh, so, um, uh, you know, let me see. Somebody does have another question. Let's see. Can you answer this? Oh, what, what pre-punk rock concerts did you grow up on? What? Sorry, what was the question? Um, pr- what pre-punk rock concerts did you grow up on? What were your first? Pre- yeah. Oh, like early, before yeah. that, yeah. Um, before it all kicked in. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't go to that many concerts. Um, pre that, I would say probably... Um, I would go to see, like I remember seeing um, the Doobie Brothers, who I still mm-hmm. love to this day, um, and uh, I'm trying to think, mostly like, you know, rock concert, Alice Cooper, um, you know, stuff like that was sort of where I where I was um, coming up from in those days, and, um, you know, a couple of um, 
think the first single I ever bought was a Glenn Campbell single. Um, you know, so so I kind of I didn't go to that many because I was kind of still pretty darn young when mm-hmm. when all of that stuff was was starting to come out. So um, you know, my earliest concerts that really you know kind of affected me and stuff was like the first Dead Kennedys concert in um, at, in Washington D.C. at the old 930 Club. Um, and um, you know some of the early Discord bands shows um, were were hugely important for me, and uh, so I kind of really would say my my real concert going, um, you know, I didn't see Iron Maiden or ACDC until after I kind of was really in the was I, I was you know pretty much a dedicated punk rock rock and roll guy, you know, so um, so I would say that my my real musical life really kicked into gear when it when it did with with all those groups. Mm. Well, your rock music life did, but your choir music life started. Well, this is true. Yeah, I, I sang in, in choirs and all that stuff, and mm-hmm. musicals, definitely. I saw a lot of musicals. I, one of the cool things about my parents was they would just take me to New York, um, you know, growing up in, in D.C. And, and, and when I was in, even when I was in Boston and still in D.Y.S., they would say, okay, we're going to go see, you know, um, a chorus line or MAME or whatever, you know, and, and, um, and so we'd go see these musicals and that was really hugely influential and I mean my dad also listened to a lot of um, classical music and he was a really interesting cat because you know to a lot of us today I think when you hear you know certain classical music it's really hard to distinguish it from you know let's say you hear I do now know with a lot of listening and time and years I do know the difference between when I hear Beethoven or Mozart or Brahms you know they all have distinct styles and, and, and the structures of their of their um, symphonies that, you know, I, I can tell that, but it took me a long time to get there, and I think most of us, you know, don't necessarily get that distinction, and, um, you know, so I think part of the cool thing for me was having a dad who could actually instantly identify, oh, this is Beethoven sixth, and, you know, or whatever was on the radio, we'd wow. listen to WGMS, you know, driving around, and he'd whistle along with, you know, Beethoven sixth, it just happened, or if it was... Brahms or whatever or Mozart you know whatever he would he would just know it and um, it was kind of kind of really interesting to me and I think I learned a lot about you know signature melody lines and things like that from from having that in my in my DNA yeah sure that's in your background yeah that's really amazing that's that's quite a gift yeah they were they were really encouraging you know the great thing and I know not everybody had the, the real you know good luck to have parents who were supportive but I was very very blessed to have my parents, um, you know, I remember one time when Dagnasty was playing at the uh, 9.30 club, and, you know, my mom and dad were there, and they were, they were by the back of the club, by the door, actually, you know, <laughs> but they were there, you know, they were there and, you know, sort of holding each other tightly, you know, in fear as people were singing <laughs> along and jumping off stage and everything, but uh, they were there to support me, so I was, I was really lucky to have that, and I remember one time we were in Spain, with Down by Law, and um, my parents were there uh, just on a vacation, and they, they scheduled everything to go see this show, and it was so great because at the end of the show, um, it was a, things started in Spain really, really late. Like, we were trying to find dinner before the show, and it was like 8 o'clock at night, and every restaurant was closed because they don't even open until 9. Like, 9 is early, yeah. um, particularly on a Friday or Saturday night for them. I don't know if that's still the case, but it was then. And um, so so we finally found dinner, and I went back, and, you know, the, the, the bands played, and then it was Down by Law that was playing, and they were there. And after the show, 
all these I was talking to my folks out in the um in the, in the, the lobby off to the side and and all these kids came out streaming out of the, the club and um they saw my parents and they said you know like you are his parents and yeah we are so they all got my parents autograph and my parents oh. were delighted with that you know they were so they were so they were they were just tickled pink with that it was a great it's a great memory for me of my folks oh that's cool yeah yeah, yeah. and all these really nice kids and who were who were very respectful and and um very you know enthusiastic so it was it was great wow wow that's awesome so great yeah um so i'd like to jump back to the music in the uh looking at the, the time here and sure. uh, you are a fabulous guest dave and i could talk to you obviously for for more hours than we have set aside oh um, thanks well it's been really a lot of fun thank yeah. you so much for you know having me on yeah. i appreciate it so um uh the next song that we're going to go into is the uh, i believe undertone. is the undertone yeah um and again sort of the undertones um fall into that actually but i think the undertones just fall into the pure fun you know they did have some darker lyrics as their albums progressed and and i respect that but you know especially the first you know um they had a lot of teenage angst of like not getting the girl kind yes of, they did kind of lyrics but mm-hmm. um you know it's just a pure fun group you know and and again sort of like what i was saying about acdc and a very different musical style but you know the undertones is one of those groups where you just can't be down listening to them they're just it just makes you happy you know mm-hmm. and um you know and these were working class kids from from uh ireland and they you know they had you know they were this was their honest life portrayed you know and and so um again the honesty was really it resonated with me very much and just the joyousness or joyfulness whatever the word is of the of the music you know um was just really really so exciting to me to to hear that and you know, again, great sense of melody, great players um, in the oh, band, yeah. under, underrated players, and mm-hmm. really a good band. And just a super, super live band. They were, in my recollection, one of the best live shows I ever saw in my life. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that is awesome. And they still play. They have a different singer now mm-hmm. um, who, who I have not seen, but who many fans of the group that I know who have seen uh, really enjoy. So yeah, um, so he, I would encourage people to go support them. Yeah, he doesn't have the he doesn't have the fear sharky thing going on, but he's uh, I think his name is Paul, and they did play here on uh, on WFMU several years ago. You can find it on the Free Music Archive, actually. The excellent, yeah. excellent. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, fear sharky is is like vocally so distinct, um, but uh, you know the the main songwriters of the group, um, the O'Neills. You know, yeah, the O'Neills are they're still going strong. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's still it's still a definite worthy investment of your time and musical uh, investment. Indeed. So next, we are going to uh, listen to the undertones at uh, high recommendation of Dave Smalley, who is my guest. Uh, we are WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Please stay tuned. <laughs>
Dave Smalley, are you there? Yes, I am. Hello, sir. And uh, just coming out of two great uh, songs, the uh, message to you, Rudy, from the specials, uh, Mirror in the Bathroom, and of course, preceded by the undertones. What do you have to say about our uh, ska brethren? Yeah, I mean, I, I love old Jamaican ska and also, you know, the, the ska revival movement in particular um, in, the, uh, in England in the 80s. And, um, you know, that was headed, of course, by groups like the Specials and the Beat and, um, you know, Madness and some other groups. And I just really loved all that stuff. And I, I still remember going to the English Beat Show in at the Channel in Boston and, um, you know, all these... Uh, sort of more artsy people were really annoyed that the Boston crew was there, you know, because we were fully into it. And, you know, we were dancing as we like to dance. And, um, <laughs> you know, and, and uh, people were really annoyed. And they even wrote about it in a review in the paper, you know, like, oh, the annoying punks were there. And, oh. you know, <laughs> just, you know, <laughs> you know, but, hey, this, uh, the whole thing is do be who you are, you know. So, you know. That was, uh, that was, but they were a great, great group. That first English beat record was, was really, mm. first specials record, both of those were pretty much untouchable, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Great records. And yeah, English beat was a great live band, too. Um, I, I never got to see the specials, unfortunately, because they didn't do a lot of touring in their heyday. Mm. Um, but, uh, but I did get to see the beat um, in the early days, and then plus not that long ago, a couple of years back. And, yeah, uh, they are still so around, great. right? Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, they were great. Oh, good. Well, it's good to know that, because that, that I wasn't sure about. Yeah, yeah, and it was actually the English Beat and, and Madness. Oh. Um, so it was, uh, it was, I'm sorry, no, it wasn't Madness, it was Bad Manners, excuse me. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and Buster um, Blood Vessel is okay, yeah. 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 <laughs> so um, we're just about to, uh, to get to the last set, and I wanted to ask you a little bit about, because I know you got two songs coming up. First of all, there's a new Down By Law record. Do, there is, yeah. I'm, I'm really, um, really a fan of it, and and um, you know, sometimes when you, when you, you know, when you're an old guy like me, you know, you kind of, um, huh. you kind of have these uh, these times when you just feel this certain energy, and and I would say I've been really blessed to have felt it a few times, and at least once with every group that I've been in. You know, I think certainly the. The, the first, uh, you know, Brotherhood record from DYS and, and Can I Say from Dag Nasty had that, as well as Minority of One, I think, really, from Dag Nasty. And then, you know, um, Down by Law had it, and, and, and all had it with, uh, I think, with our second all record in particular. And I love the first one, too, don't get me wrong. But, um, you know, and, and then and, and Down by Law had it with, with Punk Rock Academy Fight Song. There was just a certain energy or chemistry, like you could just sense that this was something... You know, you're almost playing above your head in a way. You know, and um, and and you're just kind of riding the wave like a surfer would ride the wave that he gets. It's a really good wave. It's the perfect wave, and he's he's riding it, and it's high, and he doesn't know if he can ride it, but he's going to try. <laughs> he's just going to stay with it, you know. And and if he does ride it all the way out, and you know, and does a good good uh, good run, he's he's really elated. And and there's this energy and chemistry that I think um, that we had with those records, and we we had it with this newest. Uh, down by law record um which is called champions at heart and mm -hmm. it just had this certain i don't know just you know we just kind of felt it it was all very very clear that this was something that was um you know that there was a chemistry going on that you know you just don't argue with it it's, it's just luck you know and um you, you kind of just ride the wave you know so we we did this new album and a lot of people are really really uh, a lot of dbl fans are really happy with it and um you know we just did a tour on on a 
national level called the Tonight We Unite Tour with the Casualties and a number of other uh, really good bands that I quite enjoyed, and um, including Flatfoot 56 and The Sheds and, uh, um, you know, some other groups. And, um, you know, uh, it was just this really great chemistry of all the bands playing. And then, But the nice thing for, for Down by Law was this was our first national tour in so long, and we are playing to a lot of people who didn't really maybe they'd heard of Down by Law, but they didn't necessarily know it, or they knew just like 500 miles from hearing that, or, you know, they knew maybe Punk Rock Academy fight song songs, but they didn't necessarily know, you know, every song. And mm-hmm. it was really great because they reacted so favorably um, to to uh, the songs and to our shows. It was really a, a really warming um, feeling, you know, a nice, a nice uh, feeling to have. So I really appreciate all the people who were so kind to us. Awesome. And then yeah. uh, that's the, that's super. And the, and I know that that's on a, the DC Jam label, Champions at Heart is. Yeah, it's a really cool label. Um, the guy who runs it, uh, his name is Darren, and he is, um, you know, I've always believed in the DIY ethic, which is why I'm supporting, you know, a show on, I'm, I'm so delighted to be on WFMU, you know, because that's a station, you know, that I listened to for many, many years. And, and uh, I think I told you when we first talked, you know, that that's a station that I, you know, would put on, this is in the pre-internet days, you know, I would put that on, you know, when we got within range, you know, and whenever one of my groups was playing in the New York or New Jersey area. That's so great you know. to say. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, yeah I mean it. it. I wouldn't just say it, and it's it's really true, and it's like, it's so cool to have, you know, heartfelt, independent people doing good stuff, you know, and it's really what I was trying to, to encourage all along through my through my career and, and, you know, fanzines and radio shows and, um, and independent labels. And this guy, Darren, um, his label right now, the, the bands that have come to mind, I know there are a few others that I'm probably going to miss, but not out of, not, not missing them out of any bad will or anything, but uh, the ones I can think of right off the top of my head is Down by Law, Fishbone, um, The Addicts, TSOL, uh, JFA, you know, these are mm-hmm. all bands that are like just great, you know, great groups and, you know, um, like TSOL and, and JFA and Fishbone, you know, the addicts. I'm, like, I'm pinching myself that I'm on a label with all of those guys. That's quite a roster. Yeah, it's a great roster, and he's doing it because of the right reasons, you know, which is the whole thing. Like, I'm going to put out music by bands that I really love, you know, and that's the most important um, reason you can do anything in life, do something because you love it. And you only get one time in life, you know, you only get these 60, 70, 80 years to do something, and that's if you're lucky. And that you get that many years, and so you got to make it count. You got to believe in what you're doing, and and try to, um, you know, live your life to the fullest. And that doesn't just mean have fun and and you know, uh, play video games all day. I mean, that's great too. Don't get me wrong, I play them too. You know, but just like, you know, realize that this is your this is your shot. And to the best of our knowledge, we don't get another one. And so you know, make it count and and do good things and 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 make a dent. Mm. That's yeah. That that's exactly why we're all here. And and uh, you've just summed up everything, Dave, right there. Awesome. Thank <laughs> you. That's great. And 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 have fun too. You know, there's the there's of the other course. kicker. You know. Yeah. And then uh, so we're gonna hear that, and then uh, we're also gonna hear the Farmhouse Five version of a Dag Nasty song. Um, what what is the Farmhouse Five? Well, that's a little project that some friends of mine who um, all live in Canada um, are involved with. Um, 
uh, one of my friends up there called me and said, hey, we want to do some songs from the different bands that you've been in and, um, you know, that we all grew up, you know, loving. And um, and and we we kind of want to try a bluegrass approach. And, and I said, oh, I thought about it for a minute. I said, that's awesome. And um, <laughs> kind of, you know, getting back to what we were talking about earlier, and like when you take a song and cover it, you know, maybe you can give it a completely different spin and make it your own, and that's what this this is. And it's with members of um, different members of Good Riddance. Um, uh, Sean from Good Riddance is on drums, and Curtis from uh, SNFU um, is on bass, and um, and some other cats uh, from a band called Dirt Loader. Um, Colin and Johnny are, are are playing on it, and um, you know, there's uh, mandolin and and um, banjo and uh, um, piano and um, you know it's a harmonica I'm not sure uh, if any of those are on this particular song that we're going to play now because uh, what we are I think going to hear is one of the original demo mixes oh right yeah so, so there's been some changes to the final album but um, you know the, the songs are just such a delight to hear them in this whole different way and um, you know it's it's really nice to have done it and, and you know, we haven't we haven't really decided where it's going to come out or when or, or um, you know, what's going to be the goal of it. But uh, we, we, when it was all finished, we all said, you know, we all looked at each other and said, wow, this is really cool, you know, really distinct. And, and so we're going we're gonna to do something with it, just not sure what yet. Okay, great. And then you said your solo record is coming out this month? Yes, it's called Punk Rock Days. It was actually um, funded through Kickstarter, which is um, yeah. a website or organization that um, where people promote their project and they ask for a certain amount of money that they're trying to raise mm-hmm. and um, it's kind of pressure filled because if you don't raise the money that you say you wanted to raise then you don't get any of it so let's say just pulling out a number you know out of my head like let's say you want to raise ten thousand dollars to to do an album or to buy a van for your for your band or some people are selling like wine coolers that they invented or you know it's a whole ram it's not just music and right. let's say you want to raise ten thousand dollars for for project x you have to raise that ten thousand or else like if you raise nine thousand nine hundred and ninety nine dollars you don't get any of it Ooh. so it's really um and you have 30 days to um to do it and it's a really neat concept again it gets to that whole diy ethic you know and and i i really was was glad to support it and to be a part of that and um so all of the songs are uh not actually all of them. A number of them are, are songs from my um, career, and then there are a few new ones that I recorded, and I had several um, very talented people helping out, um, including um, Mike from Darkest Hour, um, oh, wow. Sam, Sam Williams from Down by Law, who's just an unbelievable songwriter and guitar player, and, and um, uh, Brian Baker from Agnasty and Bad Religion and Minor Threat. He played on a couple of them as well. So... Mm-hmm. Um, so we had a you know a lot of people who are really just talented musicians. Um, I recorded it at three different studios, um, including Inner Ear, which is the studio in DC. Virginia where mm-hmm. a lot of the great Discord bands recorded, like Government Issue and Bad Brains and a number of others. Um, so um, so yeah, it's been it's been really uh, it's it's a really fun album I think and really unique and um, I'm excited to have it come out. And and uh, we will definitely be looking for that. 
And uh, yeah, absolutely. So, so Dave, I just you know I just want to thank you, and and I'm so psyched that you are still really producing things because you're just one of the most energy driven um, and uh, and vital people you know that I've ever met in the scene. And, oh, thank you very and, much. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, and, and just to, to I really appreciate you being like a leader in the punk rock community for so long and and uh and your vocals just probably really helping generations express themselves like speaking to what was possible for kids who may not have really even known what was possible in their lives i i do truly think that what you you know your musical efforts have just turned people around and uh oh, that's that's that really makes my day thank you so much you know i, I really believe in it you know and you got to do it if you believe in it and and um you know um try and you know again there's there's a way to be real and get the gritty reality of life and still be encouraging at the end of the day and i try to keep that in mind too as part of what's important and i'm um, trying to encourage people so it's uh it's really it is a responsibility you know i take it very seriously and i and i really um respect and love all the you know, people I've been fortunate enough to meet over the years um, at the shows and, and written to me and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it does, you know, for anybody who thinks that stuff doesn't matter, it really does. Um, it's a huge, huge thing to, you know, I'll meet somebody at a show and they'll tell me a certain song got them through a certain period and then we'll end up talking about their lives and their adventures for, you know, a little while and it's like the greatest thing in the world, you know, to, to learn about other people and, and, you know, realize that we are all one of people and with common struggles and um you know and, but that we can really ultimately help each other and encourage each other yeah thanks because you really have have made it obvious that we are all connected absolutely and music's the glue you know it really is it's it, the glue because you can have somebody in topeka kansas and you know santa barbara california and you know wherever you know trenton new jersey whatever pick your city and place and it all sort of um you know you know, it all we all become one through these through these through this music that we've all been part of for so long. So that's that's really a joyful thing. Absolutely. So uh, with that, we're going to go out with some down by law, some brand new down by law. This is uh, Knock This Town, Dave Smalley. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, and take care. Okay. Bye bye. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Just me in a street light, watch a world go rushing by. Cars are racing, people walking, I swim against the tide. I never felt so alive before, I never felt so all alone. This town could be a prison, but this town is my Through the bad times and the good, through the 
was walking down the street the other day. You were going one way, I was going the other. We both walked right by, we don't say a word. We used to be this close, we used to be like brothers. And now, because of one time, one word, one phrase, And that wraps it up for today's podcast. Thank you to Lita Martinez for editing the podcast and to Liz Berg for all the other background work. We are WFMU.